Welcome to the podcast. We talk about all the things that are hidden in the shadows. This is Isaac, and on this bonus episode, I am joined by I just lost it. Forgot your name, Alex, and Beth from uh, Ghost Seekers Texas. Yes, sir. Ghost Seekers Texas Paranormal Team out of San Antonio, Texas. My old stomping ground. Wow. Yeah, I'm from San Antonio myself, so we got something in common. Okay. How yeah. uh, how long did you live here for? Uh, ever before I moved over here? <laughs> no, nah, I'm just kidding. Uh, it was like I lived north of San Antonio in a small town, Blanco. Okay. Yeah, for a well majority of my life, and then uh, I lived in San Antonio for about ten years or so before I moved over here to North Carolina. Nice. Yeah, but um, that's that's what that's cool is that we I know with the places that you're talking about investigating, I know of. Because, of course, I lived there. So, and granted, I never went there because I was really never into the paranormal at the time. Um, when I was living in San Antonio, I was more part of the music scene and playing in okay. bands and stuff like that. Nice. Yeah. Huge scene here. Yeah, there's a huge music scene here. It's insane right now. Yes, and I miss it dearly. And it's one thing I complain about the most that people hear <laughs> is when I talk about the, the music scene that I came from. Yeah. How, how's the music scene out there in North Carolina? Where I live right here, nothing. Wow. Yeah. Um, Raleigh and Charlotte are two biggest cities, so they got the biggest scenes uh, where bands will come through and play. Um, okay. I think the famous band, the most famous band from North Carolina is either Elisana or Every Time I Die. I feel like I've heard of Every Time I Die. Yeah, they're like the OG prog metal band. Okay. Yeah. But, you know, what's, I'm, I'm interesting. I don't... How well, I think it's an intrusive question, but it would actually help me figure out whether you rem- would remember or not. But how old are you guys? I am 24 and she is 21. Uh, so you probably won't remember then. Because <laughs> let's say 10 years ago when I was 25, uh, or tw- actually more than that, about 12, 13 years ago when I was in my early 20s, you guys were still little kids. So. <laughs> Uh, it would be hard pressed for you to even remember many of the bands that were there in the San Antonio local scene of the early 2010s and 2013, that period of time. Now, that was at the time when the scene was, I, at least from my perspective, the biggest, because that was when the White Rabbit was still around. Yeah. Which now is the Paper Tiger. I hated that they changed the name of that place, honestly. New management, new owners. Yeah. And everyone yeah. listening right now is, what What the hell are you guys talking about? What is if you're from San Antonio, you know, you know, yeah. you know the history of the rabbit and how it changed to the tiger, which uh, it's orange now instead of black. <laughs> but uh, the band that I was part of at the time was Aurorian, uh, a deathcore band. And then I originally occasionally played with my brother's band, uh, Selling Somewhere. Okay. Yeah. Uh, bands that never made it past San Antonio. But I did play shows with a pawn and burning body. I remember watching oh. them when they first started. I actually went to one of their sh- one of their shows when they, no one knew who they were. I ran a random Wednesday. I roll into the rabbit and go in. I like they're playing. You guys are really good. I went and talked to the vocalist afterwards. Like, man, you guys are awesome. Oh yeah, coming to the the next week. We got the uh, album release party going on. That's their debut album. Yeah, man, that's awesome. Yeah, that was that was cool that I saw them. How they what what they were then and what they are now. So that's yeah. Uh, some old San Antonio history. But enough for the music. Um, we're here to talk about spooky shit. Uh, 
Um, so how did Ghost, uh, Ghost Seekers Texas get started? So I started Ghost Seekers in 2018. And originally it was like me and friends would go like visit abandoned places, um, local creepy spots out in the woods. It started out like that until we got to the point of like driving out to Shirts, Texas. And this was 2019, I believe, in October. And this took place at like one or two in the morning. We went out to Woman Hollering Creek. And that's what started everything, started all the questions for me. And what happened was it felt like a minor possession or a channel. And my friend Christian, who is sitting next to me where Beth is right now, uh, is like watching me lean my body towards the road. And I'm like, he's calling my name and I'm not responding. And I don't remember any of that until we stopped later at a gas station and he tells me everything. And he freaked out, threw me onto the dirt and started running to my car. And when I hit the dirt is when I started like waking up or snapping out of it. And I started crying. Like I started bawling my eyes out. And the next thing I see is Christian dolphin diving through my <laughs> through my car window because my car was locked and we had the windows down and that's what started everything for me well i would say that of many reasons to start into the paranormal never getting mildly possessed seems to be when most people in that situation would like i don't want to be part of this anymore and yeah it all behind <laughs> but you just kind of went like oh i know this is real now i want to try and find it exactly so when you put the team together, when did Beth join in? Two years ago now. I think so. About so. About two years ago now. Oh, awesome. And what do you, what are your I guess your roles in the team? Well, I'm mainly on like camera just because I'm not big on like being recorded or being like on camera. Just that's just how I am. So I, I'm more like behind the camera doing filming. Um, helping with sound stuff, more of like behind the scenes. Oh, so like a tech person. Pretty much, Pretty yeah. Much. yeah. And it's, it's safe to say, Alex, you're like a lead investigator. Yes, sir. But I also do camera work as well. I do all the editing for our videos. Um, I set up all the spots for us. I do the research. Um, yeah. The main guy. <laughs> well, I don't like to consider myself the main guy i like all of us to have our main roles well that's 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 cool and by the way a compliment from my co-host my wife megan uh she says your editing of the videos is probably one of the best she's seen wow thank yeah. you so much you have no idea how much, you have no idea how much that means truly thank you yeah because she uh did editing uh video editing in high school so she she knows she knows good editing when she sees it. So she's like, oh, whoever that does editing for their videos is really good. Thank you. <laughs> um, so is it was that uh, minor oppression possession 
uh, experience that would made you believe in the paranormal actually existed or was there something happened earlier in life that made you believe that the paranormal is real? Well, I always believed in the paranormal and been pretty drawn to it. And my mother growing up, she would tell me like I would like as a little kid when I'm playing with my toys in the room, uh, the door would be open and I would just like follow something and peek my head out of the hallway and just follow it. And then um, I'm so sorry, big brain fart. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but yeah, I guess you could say I've always been interested in the paranormal and that incident is what made me want to push even more into it and find out even more about it. Beth, did you have any experiences when you were young? That made you go, oh, I crap, this is real. I actually. I lived in a house that, like, the previous owner had killed himself in. So, safe to say that, like, there were stuff that was going on in the house when I lived there. And I was, like, really young, but I still remember, like, very vividly all the small little things that would happen, like, just day to day. So, I've always believed that there's something else out there, even if we can't see it or prove it just yet. Mm. now you've been going strong with the team for it sounds like what four or five years now you said 2019 you started around oh 2018 2018 so it's been a while yes sir and in those and what's good about san antonio is that there's an endless amount of places you can investigate um the city is rich with history from revolutionary war from the civil war from the texas revolutionary war um, yep. even going back to Native American stuff like that. So you have a treasure trove of places where you can investigate. So um, in the time you've been investigating, has there been a specific place where you got some of the best footage or some of the best experience? Uh, it's a, it's a tie between two locations, which are the old Lavaca County jail and the old park hotel. Mm. Now the old park hotel is in, Ballinger, Texas, and the Old Mabaka County Jail is in Hallettsville. Now, I heard a hotel. I didn't hear about the jail. So, with the jail, it's already active at night. They have the amount, the same amount of activity happen during the day. Like, broad daylight, you'll hear clear footsteps, uh, running footsteps, bangs, um, disembodied voices sometimes mimicking but the part that really scared us about the old Lavaca County Jail was Chris who's also another member of the team he's not here with us tonight him and I were doing a session while she was taking a nap in the uh, housing area and this was about a little after 10 o'clock p.m. and Chris is recording me. I'm explaining like what we're about to do. Uh, we're about to go upstairs to the upper cells. And as I'm saying this, you hear like loud footsteps from upstairs. And then it died out a little bit. And then I started speaking again. And then you just hear running footsteps come downstairs. And at that point, we thought someone was in the building. Or actually, not yet. <laughs> After that, we 
went upstairs, checked everything. No one was found. No one to be seen. And we go to the woman's section of the upper cells. And we start hearing like rustling, scuffing. Then this weird part happened that I can't really explain. There's this loud noise that comes from the ceiling. And it sounds like someone scuffed like down through the hole of the ceiling onto the cell that we were in. Mm. And at, at that point we called the owner and she had her cop friend come out mm-hmm. and he didn't even go inside. He was like, yeah, this happens. He was just like, yeah, this, this is a normal occurrence. Uh, y'all be fine. It's like, there's nobody there. Okay. <laughs> um, but for the rest of the night, we had just set cameras up because we were worried that someone was actually inside with us and just fucking with us. But night two came along and it wasn't as intense as the first night. Nothing like real heavy like that happened. Now, her experiences at the old Park Hotel, would you like to... Sure. So the old park hotel was was it two brothels? Like way back when? I think it was two like or two three. Di- like multiple different times. It uh was like a running brothel, and you can still feel like re- residual energy from that specific thing there. Like there's a specific room there called the fifty fifty room where half the time you feel something, half the time you don't, and um it affects women. And every time we go, and, like, the first time we went, this is what started all these, like, feelings and emotions for me, was being in that 50-50 room. I could feel, like, just sadness and anger. And eventually, like, you know, I started crying. I had to go sit in the hallway because it was too much. And once I was sitting in the hallway, I feel like not only could I, like, see shadow figures, but feel how the women back then were feeling like waiting to be taken to a room that kind of like anxiousness of waiting for something to happen that feeling of like oh god like I'm gonna you know something's gonna hurt something's gonna be bad which there's just so much emotion there that it does overwhelm you it really does it breaks you down now in being a fellow investigator um as with my my team, uh, there's been occasions where uh, Megan on our team, who also goes, but she's a uh, Megan's a very powerful psychic and medium, so she always empathically feels the emotions of the dead and stuff that's there. So we don't know if it's because her ability or because the spirits there want her to feel what's going on. Um, so in often cases, when I hear someone saying they felt the emotions of it, my first thought goes in my head is that. Do you have some kind of empathic abilities that you're not 100% sure about? Or is just the spirit energy there was so strong that you automatically felt it? I mean, I've had, like, those feelings almost every place we go to in some sort of way. So I do think it's something that I am in touch with. But at the same time, I do feel like, you know, it's stuff that they want you to know or they want you to see and feel. So I feel like it's it's kind of both, in my opinion. Until I get better evidence and more collective, I can make a proper theory. But it seems to be that she feels what they want her to feel. In the, the beginning stages of her ability, it seemed like that. Um, 
now it's like whatever she channels into. Uh, but then again, it you know practice makes perfect in the sense of what she's been doing. Uh, so in such case, I would, uh, if I were you, I would look into it a little bit more. You might have something that you don't 100% know you have. Um, on that, in your team, um, how many members of your team there is there? Three. Three. Okay. Um, have you worked with, or is there some? Is uh, your other member is uh, he a psychic, or do you have you ever worked with psychics? We've never worked with any psychics yet. Yeah. Um, Chris, he he's sensitive, but he's not um, empathic. <laughs> That is the uh, early stages of abilities. These you become sensitive to the other side. Um, that's what we thought Megan was when me and her first started dating way back when. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, where she is now is so far more advanced. But what I, I theorize is that if you spend enough time with the paranormal, you start to become attuned to it versus, say, someone who doesn't. So it's yeah. like you may have show empathic abilities when really you just become so attuned to the dead, you know when they're around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, my team, all of us have abilities and stuff like that. So, it what makes us special in a sense that uh, each of us have our own, well, job in the team for what we do. So, uh, I've never not worked with them because all my team is, <laughs> uh, which doesn't make us, I guess, not special, but also makes it slightly annoying. Because it's really hard to take any footage because all of us are using our abilities, so we can't really hold a camera. Um, but we've invested in body cams, so it actually works out pretty well now. Yeah. That's cool. Um, what is... Because like, I know in the early days of investigating, having equipment is really hard because some of it is really expensive out there. Um, yeah. So have you accumulated a good amount of equipment? And what is your favorite piece of equipment to use so far? So since 2018, we have accumulated quite a bit of equipment. I would have to say my favorite piece of equipment as of right now would probably have to be either a spirit box or a REM pod or myself personally. How how do you use yourself as a piece of equipment? I usually just walk myself and have the spirits take me where they want to be seen or heard. I just get in tune with the atmosphere, if that makes sense, and try to adapt. I call it the internal compass. Um, There's a few other people I know that do that. It's like they focus on their mind and a lot of spirits to lead them to where the direction is. Yes. Yeah. Uh, So that's cool. We're listening. And one thing I would try or suggest to you while doing that uh, is the S's method. Yes. Uh, Do that as you're walking around and see if you can walk from one point to the other blindfolded and deaf and only listen to your spirit box and see how far you get without bumping into something. Because I have seen (laughs) uh, the elder psychic on our team, Mike. Um, I've seen him walk like a hundred yards down a path without ever hitting a tree, hitting a branch blindfolded, um, just listening to the spirit box as someone who was guiding him. Wow. Yeah. So try that. I mean, we'll have someone, I guess, you know, spot you just in case they're about to run into a wall or something, but yeah, we'll uh, definitely have to try that. That sounds cool. 
Yeah. And it's something I've seen, but if you sound like if you allow them to, you know, pull you a certain directions, I can get again tier I guarantee you can be amplified doing the SS method as well. Yeah. yeah. We'll have to try that. Now do you find much success um with Spirit Box? Um I do. But a lot of people are saying it really depends on like what spirit box you use. I like using the SB7 spirit box on AM. And I also like to use the S box from Ghost Stop. But that's the only piece of equipment I'll use from Ghost Stop. You know, it's funny is uh, my team, we haven't put much effort into equipment, like I said, because we never needed it. Um, but we are getting it now just so we can, you know, record and prove what we're doing. Uh, but as the most part, I usually tell people that the best piece of equipment you can have investigating wise is your phone because it's a camera, it's a flashlight. And plus you can download some apps that are worth their, worth their weight. Um, have you tried using parental apps or you think there's like, ah, they're whatever. Back then I used to, because that's all I had pretty much back then. And but now a lot of people are starting to use this app called Spirit Stalker, and I'm still pretty iffy on that app. I haven't heard of that one. The top two that I put most of my stock in is Necrophonics and Ghost Tube. Okay. Yeah. Go Necrophonics about eighty percent accurate with most of the stuff. Ghost tube is almost ninety. Um Ghost Tube is more of a um dang it, what was the name of the box that generates words the ovulus there you go it's like an ovulus there you go uh and the uh necrophonics is like a it's a generated spirit box so okay yeah uh it's what we've been using and it seems to be very effective uh especially in doing the s's method with uh mike because it gets to a point where it's like i'm having a conversation with whatever's there uh and it, it's it's my theory that I think psychics or mediums, when they're doing the SS method, they seem to be more magnified or better, better say, a better tuning fork to picking yes. up the voices and uh, getting a better uh, better answer. So whoever's asking the questions and the, the whoever's giving the answers can pick out the right answers to the questions that are asked. So it's like you're having a conversation. Has there been a profound experience while investigating that made you go uh, like otherworldly like oh this this stuff is this is like beyond real this is like something that made you question reality definitely the experience at woman hauling creek for me um do tell the, it was the one about leaning towards the road and the one i said in the beginning oh okay the, the minor minor possession yes sir yeah um what about have you, you done any um oppression cases I have not. Okay. Well, before I get into that one, uh, Beth, has there been experience while investigating? Made you like question reality? Um, I'm not too sure about like question reality. Just like memorable ones, like Old Park or Times from the Jail. Just stuff that stuck with me, but nothing, nothing. I don't know. Nothing made me like question. Not seeing a shadow figure crawl down from the ceiling and look at you. I've seen it enough. Yeah. I lived with it, you know. <laughs> I feel like uh, with with living in places that I've like seen shadow figures, or I've heard my name be called, or I've seen, you know, 
things move when they shouldn't be moving. In my personal opinion, I think to, to for something to really make me question reality, I need to see something like crazy insane now. Just because when I was so young, I saw it so often. I feel like, yeah, it's scary, but it's yeah, it's something that I've seen before, if that makes sense. No, yeah, yeah. But if I experienced my, my short time as investigator, uh, what I would have to see now would have to be, you know, otherworldly. Like uh, someone like floating in front of me or yeah, a head spinning yeah. all the way around, like something crazy. Um. So when I asked about the oppression cases is, um, do you avoid them or just haven't had them come across your table? We just haven't really had them come across us. Have you done any home investigations? I've done, well, I've done two houses. One house I did two investigations at, and the other, she's really close to me. Her name is Roxy. Um, she's also an empath uh, and also our mentor. And yes, we love her. But I've investigated her house maybe seven times now and the spirits are still there like no one wants to leave it seems like it and it it definitely seems like there's um oh my god i can't think of the word i'm so sorry (laughs) no that's fine (laughs) now you're like you're like i know the word i see it i just can't say it it there's like past trauma Residual, yes, there's residual trauma, like, stuck in that house. Hmm. And every time we've, or I've investigated it, it seemed, especially the last time we've investigated it, we got a lot of relevancy to the residual trauma. Interesting. I I know there's always residual energy left at certain locations, especially locations that have a very uh, traumatic experiences there, which makes me wonder, did anything hurt? Is her house known for that? Or is it she's something she inherited the, the home and it already kind of was there? Well, her house was actually on the news and about her collection and herself actually. Um, but some things did happen there, but they are not my stories to be, said because it's not my place to say oh well it's like it's really traumatic for her oh okay okay sounds like i need to have a conversation with her (laughs) possibly in the future yeah make some connections um she's really sweet she's really cool i guarantee i can tell her a couple things that she's probably never heard before well she's one of the most open-minded people she's that I have seen it all, been through it all. She is like, she's clean to see like Michael and Loki, like come up to her. If yeah, otherworldly, otherworldly was a person, it would be her. She is like, if you have questions about anything or like stories about that stuff, she is like the person. Uh, we'll have a conversation after this, and then I'll see if that <laughs> statement still stands. Uh, and everyone, <laughs> my avid listeners know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, but I'm not going to cover the time again with just talking about it. Um, 
oppression cases seem to be something that uh, my team has been doing more than anything. Like I think we're up to 10 or 11 now Uh, and become very proficient in it. But uh, it's, it's home home uh, cases that always seem to be the toughest because uh, people reach out seeking help and um, you know, they always reach out to an investigator or psychic medium or someone like me in order to help them with their case and what they're doing with Um, as investigators. uh, What is seem your goal? as an investigator, like what is, what drives you? What, what do you want to get out of as an investigator? What drives me is the thrill, the excitement and the memories that come with all of these different investigations and traveling that we do around Texas. And my goal is to really like persuade as many skeptics as I can with hard evidence, even though they won't think it's hard evidence, you know? Yeah. Well, I always said there's three kinds of uh, investigator teams that I've uh, come across. At least I've got to know. Um, first and foremost are the worst kind, which are the clout chasers. Those are uh, people who only ever investigate to get famous from it. And they're consistently just posting footage and care less of what happens to the spirits that are there. Then, of course, the investigators like yourself and a few other ones I've met who are out to prove the existence of the afterlife, that spirits exist, that darkness exists, that there's stuff beyond the veil and that that whole world exists and do whatever you can. Of course, you're capturing footage, but you're doing that so to present to people. Um, exactly. And you have respect for the spirits that are there and uh, and helping their their situations and listening and talking. Um, there's a third kind, which is my team, but I'll explain what Pacific is about mine. Uh, like I said, afterwards, because everyone in this, my podcast has listened to me talk about it a hundred times. Um, but what so far in your investigations location wise, did you get the most satisfaction from? Most satisfaction. Again, that's a hard one. <laughs> that that one I would have to say there's three locations and not two. The VFW post seventy six, of course, that's like a whole nother home to us. Um, that's actually here in San Antonio downtown. Um, the jail and Old Park. Hmm. Is there a specific reason why? Which is something that you experienced or? a spirit you talk to, you might've thought you've helped or at least get their message across. I feel like we're definitely helping some spirits at the VFW post 76, especially with uh, the rumored girl that roams around uh, the post. We think her name could possibly be Georgia because that's pretty much the only name that we get when we try to communicate with her. Um, and she'll, she's told us like what happened to her, that the nurse left her unattended downstairs in the pool room, which was her water therapy because, uh, the little girl had polio. And so she was downstairs in the basement doing her water therapy and her nurse left her unattended and she fell and drowned in the pool. And so I feel like we're really helping her whenever we go investigate 
similar situation, um, a place in the local in town uh, called the Octagon House. Uh, a little girl, um, she died falling off a horse. Um, and it had to be early 1800s. And she spirits her there. And when we investigate that place, she comes up. She's very friendly. You can hear her over the spirit box, her talk. She even held my hand one time. I could feel feel her hand in mine and stuff like that. Um, so I've I understand when you talk about like a little girl spirit who's there to communicate and she seems nice and stuff like that. Now I've seen uh things about the octagon house. I don't think it's demonic whatsoever. I don't who was that one team that went there? They were like a bigger YouTuber team, like probably Sam and Colby or something, and they called it demonic. Where it might have been It's like, always demonic. It might have been exploring with Josh. <laughs> Um, Octagon House in North Carolina, yeah, in 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 uh in New Bern, North Carolina. Or sorry, Swansboro, North Carolina. Yes, I don't know. I don't know of any other team that went there. But then again, I haven't been there in a couple of years, so. <laughs> yeah. Again, I don't think that place is demonically haunted. I definitely oh. think these bigger YouTubers are blowing these locations out of proportion. With well, the whole- I can tell you, it was. But it isn't anymore. Okay. Yeah. That's because of what my team does. Um, if I've intrigued you more, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm looking at your faces like so reading it. Anyway. Um so has there what I guess there's famous places in San Antonio, including myself, even fans of the paranormal have known about. And few of those are in San Antonio, including the Black Swan Inn. Right, yes. the Alamo, and um, I forgot the name of that street where the train tracks where the car gets pushed. Oh, that that place has been debunkable so many times. Yeah, but people still like going there. Um, yeah. Have you got to investigate any like well-known places in San Antonio? We've been to, or I've been to the Manger Hotel. Um, I don't think we're able to investigate the Alamo. No, that's no. your uh, ghost adventures, maybe. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Uh, we've been thinking about doing the Emily Morgan recently, and oh, what is another Donkey Lady Bridge? Donkey, everybody, everybody here knows about Donkey. Lady. Oh yeah. Um, Clipper Creek. It has like this tree deep, deep in the woods that has like an old looking noose and we've caught quite a bit there um, with disembodied voices. And this is in the middle of a park. Yeah. But mm. people also like it's, you know, local rumors that that area is haunted. Like people do know about it. People usually try to stay away from that area too, because it's, it, it's kind of, it's kind of sketch. Uh, similar situation, uh, park near where we live in our neighborhood, uh, that never care too much about, nor do you even think about investigating, but we've heard things happening there from witchcraft activity, from murders. Um, what? yeah, uh, that goes back all the way to the eighties, um, wow. of stuff happening there. And we investigated a place three times so far. And every single time there's always something new and always something more intense, at that location and we were just like i didn't think this would be here in a regular park so yeah. you get surprised sometimes some location you think it's just eh, and then end up finding like 
capturing some of the weirdest stuff possible and like what the hell and this stuff is here and I'm like yeah I just I always like now I never not listen to Megan when she tells me like let's go to this place because she's been right all the time when it goes to <laughs> investigating certain locations if you got a feeling towards a location it might be for on purpose so correct um so what's next for uh Ghost Seekers Texas what's your next big investigation well as of right now, we don't really have anything lined up for this month or next month, but we might do something in Colorado, maybe. We don't know yet. And October, we are for sure going back. The very first weekend of October, we are going back to the old Lavaca County Jail in Hallettsville, Texas. Well, you guys go out of state? Um, we. The only place we've investigated out of state so far is the old Savannah Theater. Oh, That's and nice. George is actually my hometown. Oh well, there you go. Yeah. Well, how was that place like? It was beautiful. It was a really cool location. Um, it was definitely a lot of fun. Although it was with like another um, group of people, so there was like audio contaminant here and there. But other than that, like we had a blast. That's uh, something you guys ever make your far away, sorry, make your way towards East Coast. Some places I can show you around here that will definitely go, uh, whoa. Because <laughs> um, we, we take, where uh, I used to go growing up a lot to South Carolina, to Myrtle Beach and all that. So I used to be pretty close to North Carolina, but I, I don't think I've ever been in uh, North Carolina. Well, there's an ongoing joke in amongst North Carolinians, and for any of my South Carolina people who listen, this is just a joke. But when I first moved here, I always asked about South Carolina. It says, oh, South Carolina is, is just the entrance to North Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, dang, man. <laughs> uh, but no, that's cool. And do you guys post most of your investigations on YouTube or just on TikTok or Instagram? Uh, mainly YouTube, our full videos, our full investigations, but I'll post like clips of like highlights on our Instagram, TikTok, uh, threads, Twitter. Threads, that's right. I start doing more of that. That's new. Um, but uh, I do appreciate you guys coming on. And where can everybody find Ghost Seekers Text? Like, uh, give me all your social. It's spelled all the same. It's at Go Seekers TX, all on uh, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Threads, uh, Facebook. That's pretty much everywhere. Pretty much everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. So for everyone listening, go out and check their stuff out. Um, I always, I always like finding more paranormal investigators to collab with and discuss things with and share uh, stuff that we find because. So one of my main hopes in the paranormal investigation world is that we become more communicative and less um, competitive with yes. um, everything we do. Uh, yes. I know for sure around teams around here, it seems very, ter- very territorial. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I mean, same with, I feel like that's people everywhere, especially in the community. Everybody wants to outdo one another. And I've made a few connections to some teams in Canada of all places, um, wow. some Midwestern cool. areas um, on the other side in the East coast, West coast area. So it's, it's cool that 
We know you guys in Texas. Um, we've got the first Texas team that we actually talked to. I think oh, we wow. know another team in San Antonio, but I think guys are the first ones we actually talked to. Sweet. And I can't even think of the name of the San Antonio team that I'm thinking about, but so I couldn't tell you if I wanted to. <laughs> Uh, but I appreciate you guys coming on and um, hope to bring you guys thank back you again and talk about more investigations. Yes, sir. Thank you all for having us. As always, we'll catch your widows in the next one. <laughs>